symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, now all the way up to episode 92. As we finish out the month of August in 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation this week, and I am your host, Ray Russell. And can you believe it, guys? When we finish out today's show, we will be two-thirds of the way through 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation. But before we get there, just a quick reminder that you guys can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade in our sister shows like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, it's Raw versus Nitro, as we go back in time and chronicle the entire Monday Night War. Our next episode of Monday Warfare begins the month of August in 1996, August 5th to be exact, just five days out from the Road Wild pay-per-view, featuring WCW champion The Giant taking on the NWO's Hulk Hogan, Hall and Nash versus Sting and Luger, Cruiserweight champion Rey Mysterio defending against the debuting Ultimo Dragon. Dean Malenko versus Chris Benoit. The Steiners versus Harlem Heat. U.S. champion Ric Flair against Eddie Guerrero. Wait a minute. They put this stack card in the middle of a biker rally? Really, Eric? Anywho, then over on Raw, the WWF continues a very good stretch of TV with a number one contender battle royal, with the winner meeting the WWF champion on Raw the night after SummerSlam. And just some of the names involved in the Battle Royal include the likes of The Undertaker, Mankind, Psycho Sid, Ahmed Johnson, The British Bulldog and Owen Hart, Goldust, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and so many more. That's upcoming on the next edition of Monday Warfare. You can also listen to our brand new Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories, guaranteed 100% territory talk each and every time out as we continue our journeys through 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling with guest co-host Jamie Ward, as well as the 1986 in Mid-South Wrestling Project with guest Roman Gomez. Plus, with both Roman and Jamie's schedules ramping up for the summer, you can expect some other fun territory-based topics coming soon to Regional Wrestling as well. And you can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. And be sure to follow us on social media, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings on at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. Just added a bunch of pictures just yesterday to my social media. Go check it out. And while you guys are at it, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find me there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade, uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. Nearly 500 videos up right now and more on the way over there on YouTube. More Mid-South 86 coming very soon. More other random goodies as well. Just added a 900-line commercial 
from good old Captain Lou Albano circa 1987 with cameos made by Afa, the Wild Samoan, Jules Strongbow, and Police Chief Samu? Well, you just have to watch it to understand, guys. Head on over to youtube.com slash Grenade right now and subscribe. And next, I just want to say thank you to the listeners and especially the patrons out there for your continued loyal support and kindness. If you haven't done so already, guys, it's very important to the WrestleCopia brand if you guys could leave me a positive review on your favorite podcast streaming app or whatever the case may be, or simply spread the word of the WrestleCopia brand shows on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and etc. And how you can do so? Well, you can always retweet or share my posts on social media, or go rogue and create your own post advertising the brand. Help get WrestleCopia, The Grenade, and all of the great podcasts out there for the masses to discover so that they too can join in on the fun we're having here. Now, if you guys enjoy what I do, whether it be The Grenade, Monday Warfare, Regional Wrestling, or all of the above, whether it be my social media posts, my YouTube videos, the research, the time, the effort that I put into everything I do for the WrestleCopia brand, endlessly researching these topics, reviewing shows, producing the podcast, the careful editing that goes into every show I put out, the awesome sound bites grabbed for these shows, the videos that are posted, the pictures I find, the screen caps that are taken, the fact that I respond to every one of your DMs, every question you guys send me, plus the fact that, well, there's no ads interrupting the shows, guys. I try to make them flow and keep you guys engaged, and I'm trying to do all of these things the right way, but I'll be honest with you at this point. This is a one-man crew right now. I'm not currently getting a whole lot of help from the outside world, if you will, so I'm funding everything out of pocket, and I honestly don't know how much longer I can do so without your help. So, that said, if you guys appreciate what I'm doing here and have a few dollars laying around in your PayPal or whatever the case may be, if you're looking to support a new podcast network that simply wants to produce quality content to the wrestling fans, all while preserving a little wrestling history, now would be an exceptional, extraordinary, tremendous, phenomenal, marvelous, and magnificent time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Yes, there are multiple tiers that you guys can choose from, but I only ask you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages and pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and The Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade covering the 1989 NWA project. Talking Flair, Sting, Muda, Terry Funk, and beyond includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's not all. You'll also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. All of that, plus random bonus video drops, news clipping ads, and more. You never know what I'm going to add there. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. Early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows, Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content added in, digital downloads, 
random bonus videos, news clippings, and so much more for just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Show your support, guys, if you can. Give it a try for just a month. I think you like all of the content I offer, and every penny of it goes right back here into funding the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, if you have a few bucks to spare, you're looking to support that next up-and-coming podcast brand, if you can, help me pay some of the bills to keep WrestleCopia, the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, up and running for the months and hopefully the years to come. And now with all of that out of the way, it's time to get back into August 1987 here in the World Wrestling Federation. Going to do two more weeks of TV this week. Lots of fun stuff coming up including the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff turn on Bobby the Brain Heenan, the Ken Patera arm injury, more eliminations in the battle for Bam Bam, all of that and so much more. So let's get rolling here with the August 22nd edition of the Superstars of Wrestling. All right, and here we are, Superstars of Wrestling, August 22nd, tape back August 4th, Madison, Wisconsin, at the Dane County Coliseum with Jesse Ventura, Vince McMahon, Bruno San Martino on commentary this week. But before the show can begin, we see Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson wearing a WWF hat while shaking hands with the world champion himself, Hulk Hogan, presenting the Hulkster with an outstanding citizen plaque. Dude. Oh, Tommy Thompson, if you only knew. As we head to the ring, it is the Olympic strongman Kim Patera taking on Tom Stone. And right away, it's Patera in control out of the gate with an atomic drop and a big clothesline, sending Stone over the top rope and out to the floor. And Kenny clearly beating the shit out of Tom Stone on the outside, ramming him into the railing, but the match cuts here. Or at least my version does anyway. I'm not really sure, but it clearly happened on the outside. Kim Patera roughing up Stone, kind of like a heel, as Jesse Ventura on commentary even states, he probably learned that in jail. I had to chuckle at that, Jesse. But it's clipped out here for some odd reason, so I don't get to see the beatdown on the floor. But back inside, Patera looking for the old body toss, that jerk slam that the best movie has in his repertoire, other than that spinning full Nelson. But as Patera launches Stone across the ring with that jerk slam, visibly injuring his arm in the process, grabbing at his elbow immediately after throwing Stone across the ring, you can see Patera then wisely whispering to Stone. He takes Tom down with a snapmare and drops a quick, light elbow drop with his bad arm. Ah, not a wise move there, Patera. Kenny, though, getting the win in two minutes and five seconds. And it was this injury that would keep Patera out of the ring for the next few months. It also allowed the WWF to put the kibosh on the Patera Heenan family feud, as when Kenny returns, he won't be pushed anywhere near the level that he was here ever again. But this is it. This is where it happens, and it airs right here on TV. Kim Patera's arm injury going to keep him out of action, at least through around the end of October, I do believe. And you see it happen right here on TV, and I can't believe he used that bad arm to drop that elbow at the end of the matchup. As we move on to update with Craig DeGeorge, he's going to talk the recent split of the Magnificent Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton as we see a clip from their split last week during that six-man tag team match where Orton maybe inadvertently caused Don Morocco to take the pinfall loss to Tito Santana. And right now we're going to hear from both sides of the feud. 
First, we're going to hear from the ace cowboy, Bob Orton. Then on the other side, it's the magnificent Don Morocco. Don Morocco was on the edge of oblivion when I reached out with a hand to help him. I'm responsible for Morocco's success. Morocco, you think you're going to stand in the middle of the stream, an island in the middle of the stream? Watch out for the flood, Daddy. The water comes hard and the water comes high. Like a rock cast into the silence of a pond. All alone but creating ringlets of waves running on forever and ever. That's where I stand, magnificent Morocco. No more managers, no more partners, ready to take on whoever has to be taken on in the WWF today. So the Cowboy says he was responsible for Don's success, while the Magnificent One says he will no longer have any managers or partners. He can do it all on his own. Well, that certainly doesn't last long, does it, Don? But both of these guys have been going nowhere fast all of 1987, their prime years in the business from just before the Hulkamania era. They had their last big runs in that early Hogan era here, and then they aged out, I guess you could say, even though they're really not all that old. Different times, I suppose. But Bob Orton and Morocco not really over with the fans anymore. They split them up here. Morocco going to go babyface. Orton obviously going to remain the heel in this feud. We'll see how that plays out in the weeks to come. But right now, we head off to yet another soundbite. I've got it queued up. Just a quick promo here from the Doctor of Style Slick regarding the upcoming Piledriver album. Brother! Take it away, Slickster. This is a Slickster here to tell you about the greatest single vocal performance of all time. I'm talking about Piledriver, the Wrestling 2 album. Yeah, we ain't talking about no Pavarotti or no Billy Joel or no Lou Rawls. We talking about Jive Soul, bro. So there it is, Slick telling us he has recorded the song Jive Soul Bro for the Piledriver album, and I can't wait to hear it, guys. It's time for wrestling action involving the natural Butch Reed, the Slickster in his corner, taking on Jim Evans here as we get an insert promo from superstar Billy Graham. He says he's coming for the natural after that attack during the pose down. And then back to the action here is Reed pounding down on Evans in and outside of the ring, and then finishing him off with the gorilla press drop. Right on Evans' face, Butch Reed with a foot on the chest. Going to score the win in 2 minutes and 34 seconds. And then post-match, The Natural calling out the superstar Graham to the ring. And to nobody's surprise, Billy Graham answering the challenge. Out comes the superstar. Graham, no coward, heads in and runs off The Natural and The Slickster again this week on TV. And I loved me some Billy Graham in his prime. I loved every incarnation of The Natural Butch Reed, Hacksaw Butch Reed, if you will. But as much as I try, I'm just not feeling this feud, guys. And storyline-wise, they're doing nothing wrong. But it's just like the WWF thinks they can blind us from the fact that Graham can visibly no longer get around the ring very well, yet somehow he keeps besting the natural stud out here. It's just very hard to buy into this, at least for me. As we head off to our first promo of the week, at least conducted by Mean Gene Oakland, yes, it is Mean Gene standing by with the Rougeau brothers. All right, stay tuned for more exciting action. I happen to be reading the latest edition of the World Wrestling Federation magazine. By the way, some great reading in this month's edition. And it was a very interesting article on my guests at this time. I want to bring them in. They are from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. They have carved out quite an niche for themselves in the World Wrestling Federation. And I'd have to say, Raymond and Jacques, come on in, gentlemen. Right now, you are the top contending tag team for the world titles 
that are currently held by the Hart Foundation. Well, you know, Mean Gene, there's so many great teams in the World Wrestling Federation, so many great people. It's been an honor for us just to have joined the World Wrestling Federation, including all the promoters, the great cities we've been to, all the competition, and most of all, Mean Gene Okerlund, the Hart Foundation, who have made a name for themselves in the World Wrestling Federation as the team, the World Tag Team Champions. Well, there's one thing that we want to say to you, Hart Foundations. Raymond, let them know how we feel about this situation. All right, the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Night Hart, they're in the driver's seat right now. They are the champions, Raymond. They're in the driver's seat, Mean Gene, but we're right behind them and closing in fast. Like you said, we are the number one team right now for the tag team championship. And we've been working a long time to build our way up there, Mean Gene. We started at step one and built it all the way up right behind the Hart Foundation. And the only reason we are behind them is because they are the champions right now. But Mean Gene, as soon as we can get a title shot against the Hart Foundation, we will all of a sudden take the lead on them and we will become the new tag team champions. All right. You know, there's a big factor that's not helping nobody, no, not one team in the World Wrestling Federation is that Jimmy Hart that keeps putting his nose in everybody's business. And we sure feel Real great if the World Wrestling Federation could do something about it and get Jimmy Hart out of their corner. I think uh, that situation will remedy itself. Gentlemen, I thank you for your comments this week. The fabulous Rougeau brothers, they are Jacques and Raymond. Thank, thank you. you, gentlemen. Stay tuned. We're right back. So Gene thinks the Rougeaus are the number one contenders. While they say they've worked their way up and they're ready to become the next tag team champions. Even running down Jimmy Hart in the process, which, if you think about it, kind of ironic. As the show rolls on, the battle for Bam Bam continues as Jesse the Body Ventura with Mr. Fuji this week telling him that he is out of the running to manage Bam Bam Bigelow. And that'll leave just the Doctor of Style Slick and Bobby the Brain Heenan left in the running here. As Fuji says, Mr. Fuji have no Bam Bam? What go on? Fuji looking dazed and confused as he wanders off out of the screen. Ah, so boy son, no Bam Bam for you. Fuji's the stooge. But we are back to the ring with Mr. Fuji at ringside as Kamala and Sika, along with Fuji and, of course, Kim Chi as well, taking on the team of Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma. And, oh, shit, matching jackets now for Roma and Powers as well, coming off that big win, that reverse decision victory over the tag team champion Heart Foundation last week. And I lied last week on the Grenade guys. I said it was probably our last Kamala match, but here it is. One more Kamala appearance here to close out his late 80s run in the WWF. And as the match gets going, it's Powers and Roma using a stick-and-move approach early against the Monster Heels, causing Kamala and Sika to collide and some double-team moves here, keeping the baby faces on the offense early on. Eventually, though, Sika clobbering Roma down to the mat and Kamala going to get in his licks as well. Then things break down into a four-way melee as the Stallions double drop kicking Sika, sending him over the top rope and out to the floor. And then Kamala comes rushing at the Stallions from behind, but Roma and Powers out of the way. And the momentum of the Ugandan sends him flying over the top rope to the outside as well, landing right next to Sika. So both of the heels laid out on the floor. And surprisingly, they are counted out. Kamala and Sika counted out of the ring in just four minutes and four seconds. So Roma and Powers score yet another win this week. What is going on around here? The crowd going nuts for the count-out win. And the fan favorites may still be looking for that big pinfall win here on TV, but they're certainly headed in the right direction, at least at this point. You got to think, it's got to be the matching jackets, no? But a big win, nevertheless, here for Powers and Roma again this week. But post-match, uh-oh, the heels attack. 
Very angry are the duo of Sika and Kamala as Kamala avalanching both Powers and Roma in the corner together, and then Sika with Samoan drops to both men and Kamala delivering top rope splashes onto both Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma to end this segment. And last grenade, I said we may have seen the last of Kamala, but boy was I wrong. What a way to go out for the Kamala character, losing to the Stallions, yes, but then obliterating them afterwards, top rope splashes and all. To me, it felt like a clear setup for the Fall House Show matches, with the Stallions likely going over on Kamala and Sika, probably why Kamala left, but that's just speculation. As we roll on, more Mean Gene promos lined up, this time with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. All right, stay tuned. We're going to get you back up into the ring here in just a moment or two for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. Boy, is this man doing it all and doing it by himself since WrestleMania 3. From San Francisco, California, come on in. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a man that is standing alone. At one time, he was part of luscious Johnny V and company's dream team. There's a new dream team out right now, Brutus Beefcake. It's your former tag team partner, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Canadian Dino Bravo. By the way, speaking of Dino Bravo, there's a guy that could probably use a little touching up in the hair. Well, Gene, you know, I wouldn't be able to use this type of apparatus here. I'd have to go to something a lot better, a little more horsepower, you might say, to get the job done on Dino Bravo. You know, that stuff, that steel wool, that bleach blood, greasy stuff he calls hair. You know, it's sickening and makes me sick. I don't even want to touch it. You know, these gentlemen, the new dream team, luscious Johnny V., they really worked you over in WrestleMania 3. They totally abandoned you, and I, and I can't blame you for, for holding some animosity. But as happened subsequent to WrestleMania 3, it really puts the, the topping on a cake, so to speak. Well, Gene, you know what happened in WrestleMania 3? It was a big day for me, man. There I was at center stage, 90-some thousand people around, and there I am by myself. My team and my manager, my partner of years, just walked away and left me. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you have gotten back, you've gained a little revenge. I would have to say part of it coming in the form of a haircut or a hairstyle to luscious Johnny V. Well, there's going to be a lot more butt kicking going on, man. The haircut, that's nothing, man. That's nothing compared to what I'm going to do when I step into that combat zone, man. The clippers are going to be clipping and the strun's going to be strutting, man. All right, he's something else. He's Brutus the Barber Beefcake and we're right back. A little strutting and cutting brood eye. Going to have to use some special equipment to cut that gristly hair of one Dino Bravo. Up next on the program, we hear from old Rick Derringer. Haven't heard that name in a while. He talks about writing the old hit Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. And he's going to be performing it with me, Gene Oakland, on the upcoming Piledriver album. Derringer, also the man who sings the famous Demolition theme song, guys. So while many might not think about it, Derringer played a big part in late 80s wrestling as he was the man who sang, Here Comes the Axe! Here Comes the Smasher! Well, you guys know how it goes. As we head back to the ring, the Islanders, Haku and Tama, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, taking on Jerry Allen and Mike Richards as the Islanders attack before the bell and dominate this one, pitching Allen to the outside early on and just picking apart poor Richards here before finishing him off with a Haku thrust kick and stereo diving headbutts in just 51 seconds. And that'll send a message to the tag team division. Love the aggressiveness here of the Islanders as we roll on. Craig DeGeorge standing by in the dressing room. And he's standing by with Rick Martell and Tito Santana following this Islanders matchup. Rick Martell, Tito Santana, we just saw the Islanders. What'd you think? 
No, I'm not impressed because now I've got my Mantito with me, and I'm telling you what, they're going to pay for it. They're going to pay two-on-one no more. Because you know, that's no. right, Rick. I was with you last week, and I'm going to be with you from now on. And we're going to be striking with force, baby. I'll tell you what, that doesn't sound bad. What, what about the strike force? We're going to strike with them with, like with lightning force. With lightning force. Very catchy name and a new tag team, Strike Force. So Rick Martel, not impressed with the Islanders out there, even though they mangled their opponents in less than a minute. As Tito Santana says, they are now a tag team, our Martel and Tito, and they're going to be striking with force. Hey, that sounds good. Striking with lightning force. Strike force is born. Kind of a silly way to explain the team name, but it is what it is. As we head back to the ring, more action. This time, Killer Khan. Once again, Mr. Fuji ringside, taking on Billy Bowman here. Is Bowman pretty small, even for job guy standards, but Khan does not discriminate here. Thrust kick, green mist to the face, and a diving knee drop. Going to get the win here for Killer Khan in one minute and 36 seconds as the killer continues to come for WWF champion Hulk Hogan on the house shows. And then up next, special interview up on the platform, Craig DeGeorge standing by with Bobby the Brain Heenan as Bobby claims that Paul Orndorff is glad to have Rick Root as part of the Heenan family and will even admit how Rick Root has the better body or maybe the best body in all of professional wrestling. And as promised last week, out comes Mr. Wonderful here to speak with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Paul almost immediately asking Bobby, are you sure you really want to know how I feel, Bobby? As Mr. Wonderful proceeds to remove his robe, he says that Rick Root does not have the best body in all of wrestling. In fact, he does not have a better body than Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Paul then says he's sick and tired of being lied to and lying for the brain. Orndorff is sick of lying to the fans and lying to himself. Meanwhile, Bobby Heenan stating that he made Orndorff a star, but Paul says that Bobby has brought him nothing but misery. And thus, for the second time, Bobby Heenan is F-I-R-E-D fired. Paul Orndorff once again firing Bobby the Brain Heenan as Bobby begs Paul to reconsider, but Orndorff has already moved on, it would seem, introducing his new manager, Oliver Humperdink. Well, that was abrupt. And the Brain can't believe it, humiliated on national TV, and we'll actually hear this promo on the upcoming primetime as a soundbite, along with special primetime commentary from Bobby Heenan on this humiliating altercation Nevertheless, yes, out of the blue, sort of, but Paul Orndorff making that babyface turn, firing Bobby Heenan and acquiring the service of new manager Oliver Humperdinck here this week on TV. So another brand new babyface, Mr. Wonderful, has seen the light. As up next, we hear yet another little promo, this time from recording engineer for the Piledriver music album, Tom Edmonds. He tells us that this will be a masterpiece while putting over its production values. It's all digital, guys and ready for CD. They actually have Piledriver on CD and the original album release, still sealed in their original plastic. As we head back to the ring, one more matchup here this week on Superstars, the Birdman, Coco Beware, taking on Chris Curtis. And one thing good about Coco singing the lead track on Piledriver is that he's guaranteed to be used here on TV pretty much every week, as Jesse Ventura doing more Our Gang jokes here as Coco makes his way out, asking of Buckwheat, is the lead vocal, and if the Little Rascals, the Our Gang crew, are the backup vocals for the album. Yeesh, Jesse. As Chris Curtis jumping the Birdman, but to no avail, 
Ware busting out a top rope fist drop during this one, and then the Ghostbuster getting the quick win in just 33 seconds. And we actually had an insert promo from Dangerous Danny Davis during this match, but the match was so short, the promo doesn't really start until Coco is landing his finisher. Nevertheless, Davis stating that he would pluck Frankie and send him down to the diner to cause indigestion. All right. So it appears at this point, Danny Davis picking a fight with everyone. As we close out this edition of Superstars, one more promo lined up. This time it's Mean Gene standing by with the new Dream Team. There certainly is a preponderance of great tag teams right now, the World Wrestling Federation. One of the finest, I've got to give them the credit where credit is due. Greg the Hammer Valentine, Canadian Dino Bravo, gentlemen, come on in. They are the new dream team. Their manager is luscious Johnny V, and apparently Johnny V a, bu- a bit busy these days, Dino Bravo. He's busy, we keep him busy. You know, we have a lot of ambitions. We have a lot of goals set for the new dream team. And, you know, we feel that everybody has to do their job, and Johnny V's job sometimes is to run around chasing promoters for those big contracts. All right, I understand that the new dream team is a little upset <coughs> with uh, some of the matches that you've been signed for, like... Paul Roman, Jimmy Powers, a great young team, the Shadows, teams like that. What do you want? You want the champions right out of the chute? You've got to earn that. Well, we feel we already heard that. You know, we don't have anything against any tag team combination in the World Wrestling Federation. The fact that they're here proves something. But we've been through all those teams. We don't have to go through those teams again. We want championship material. We want the champions themselves, the Hart Foundation. Let me tell you something. With all the respect, where respect is due, we do have a lot of feelings about the Hart Foundation. But our job is to become the number one team in the World Wrestling Federation. And the only way you're going to do is by beating the champion and taking the belts home where they belong, the new dream team. All right, Greg Valentine, I don't have to tell you, you got to stand in line. The Rougeos are here. The Killer Bees are here. <laughs> the Rougeos. There are a ton of great tag teams. Kamala, Sika, they're all here. Well, Mean Gene, I think the main thing we need to teach all those Rougeau brothers, the Killer Bees, and all those great tag teams you're talking about, the British Heart Bulldogs. Foundation, the British Bulldogs, what we really need to do is teach them all some respect. This is the new dream team. The old dream team is gone. We were the world champions, but now I've got a man right here that's twice the man that Brutus the Barber Beefcake ever thought of being. This man right here, Dino Bravo, along with myself, and you ask where Johnny V is, he is not on vacation. He is out there getting us world championship matches with a heart foundation, getting us top contending matches. Because we are the new dream team, and we're going to go into that squared circle, the combat zone, a lot of people like to call it, and we are going to prove ourselves, and we are going to teach some people a wrestling lesson. We're not going to go around and cut anybody's hair. We're going to go around and stretch a few ligaments if we have to, maybe tear a few biceps out, or maybe slip that figure four on some of those spindly legs out there. But the new dream team... The master of the figure four! The new dream team wants a championship match, and we're going to get it. All right, they are from Seattle, Washington. All, oh, please, gentlemen. Greg Valentine, his partner is Canadian Dino Bravo. They are collectively known as the new Dream Team. So Bravo and Valentine, they feel they've earned a tag title shot. They want their championship match against the Hart Foundation. Heels versus heels. Very interesting there. Now, they do state that they respect the tag team champions, but the only way to be number one is to take the tag team belts. Makes sense. So a more tag team oriented promo here from the Dream Team for once, rather than all focused on Brutus the Barber Beefcake. As we move on to the following day, August the 23rd, Wrestling Challenge. 
Here we go. All right, here it is, August 23rd. Tape back August 5th for Wrestling Challenge in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the La Crosse Center. It's Bobby the Brain Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary as we see a clip of the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase ringside before his upcoming matchup here. DiBiase seen tossing money on the ground as the crowd fights over it for his amusement, instructing them to get down on their hands and knees to pick it up. Oh, that evil million-dollar man. And then we had ringside for our opening contest, it is the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase scheduled to take on Chris Curtis. And I say scheduled because before DiBiase can even be announced for his pending matchup, he reminds us all that he is rich and we are poor. Teddy says he is a main event wrestler and won't bother wasting his time on a preliminary bum like Chris Curtis, who gets upset at the comment, but it is what it is, Chris. DiBiase then brings in Mr. Arthur Washington another job guy, brings him into the ring and hands him $5,000, refers to it as mere pocket change for the million-dollar man. He pays Mr. Washington five grand to take his place in the upcoming matchup, as Washington then stuffing the five Gs down his trunks. As we begin the matchup, it is Mr. Arthur Washington taking on Chris Curtis here, as DiBiase and Virgil remain ringside for this one. Curtis attacks Washington, dominates him, with moves that range from passable to not very good. Sloppy backbreaker by Curtis here, going to get the win in just one minute and five seconds over Mr. Washington. And then post-match, Virgil in the ring, grabbing Washington from behind, holding him in a full Nelson to allow Ted DiBiase to reach down in his trunks and pull out. Oh, thank God, it was only the five grand. The million-dollar man taking his money back, and then DiBiase and Virgil beating down Washington for seemingly humiliating them. So a unique little angle here to continue to show what money can do for you or not do for you in this case. But if Washington had been smart, he would have given Curtis a grand to forfeit and they all would have been happy here, left the ring together. But I thought Chris Curtis was an odd choice for an opponent for Washington. Seems like they would have wanted to give us a, a Jimmy Powers or a Paul Roma type, or at least someone who works here more often, more familiar with the fans. But Chris Curtis picking up a win, probably his only win here in the WWF as we're off to special report and Craig DeGeorge. Rick Martell has apparently moved on from Tom Sink. As we go back in time a week or two, we see the Islanders attacking Rick Martell in the ring. Tito Santana out from the Spanish announce team to make the save for Rick Martell there. So Craig DeGeorge pondering the possibility, could we be seeing a new team comprised of two former world tag team champions in Rick Martell and Tito Santana, which was actually already confirmed on Superstars. So, Wrestling challenge, you guys need to catch up here. As up next, we see some Federettes at ringside enjoying some ice cream bars. Or at least they pretend to anyway. As it's back to the action, JYD, Junkyard Dog, taking on Rick Rinslow here. Rinslow tries to tackle the dog, but fails. Then it's crawling headbutts from the Junkyard Dog, sending Rick backwards, crawling backwards until crotching himself in the steel post in the corner. Fun spot there, a little different. And before too long, it's the thump power slam. Got to give the dog the win in just two minutes and four seconds 
as we're off to Mean Gene Oakland, this time standing by with the ravishing one, Rick Rude. All right, here we go again, folks. As you know, a preponderance of great talent arrives here in the World Wrestling Federation on a monthly, even a weekly basis. Bobby Heenan pulling quite a coup when he introduced the newest member of his family from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He has an exceptional physique. You've seen him in the ring. Welcome, ravishing Rick Rude. I beg your pardon, Mr. Small. The best physique in the world today. The best physique in the world today. The you best. have been listening to Bobby Heenan, quite obviously. And everybody should listen to Bobby Heenan because he happens to be the smartest man alive. And that's why I chose him as my manager. Wait a minute now. He has promised a lot of people a lot of different things. I can go back to Ken Patera. Look at the position he's in today because of Bobby Heenan. Also, Andre the Giant. Heenan took him down the Primrose path. He promised them the heavyweight championship. Sorry to say, pal, it never happened. <laughs> What kind of man are you to even mention Ken Patera's name in the same line as Bobby Heenan? They're two different class of people. You see, Bobby Heenan has made me a lot of promises, divot head. And I've made him a lot of promises, too. And we plan to make all our promises come true. What do you think about that? You know, let me mention another couple of names that recently joined at the ranks of the Bobby Heenan family. A couple of nice young men from the South Pacific. All of a sudden, Bobby Heenan has turned the Islanders into a couple of animals. They've become so greedy, I can't believe it. They've become winners, too, haven't they, Gene? Well, thus far they have, but we, we haven't... The jury is still out on them. Yeah. What about you, Ravishing Rick Root? What has Bobby Heenan promised you? Well, Bobby Heenan has promised me a whole lot of money and all kinds of title shots. And that's all I need is a shot, because if I get the shot, I'm going to take it. And it doesn't matter who the competition is, you're going down. All right, Ravishing Rick Ruth. So this may be the very first time we hear the phrase divot head in regards to Rude describing Mean Gene in one of his promos here. It's stated that Bobby Heenan has made Rick Rude several promises, most of those being about big money and title shots. It's the same type of promises the brain recently made the Islanders to get them to turn heel. And Rick Rude pointing out, what have the Islanders done since joining the Heenan family? Well, for one, they've become winners. Can't argue with that. As we're off to a battle of the Bam Bam replay from last week, Johnny V eliminated from the fold. So prior to the next matchup, we see Mel Phillips out here introducing us to the new ladies champion of the WWF, Sherry Martell, who becomes upset very quickly here. Grabbing the microphone away, correcting Mel Phillips, she will now be referred to simply as the Sensational Sherry. Sherry then leaving the ring as we prepare for tag team action with the new Dream Team. Valentine, Dino Bravo with Johnny V in their corner, taking on the team of C.V. Afi and Jim Evans. As Afi on the offense early on against Bravo, but the Dream Team take over and Valentine executing a shoulder breaker on Afi. Got to get him a two count there. Afi, though, eventually retaliating with a sunset flip out of the corner. The old Briscoe roll for a near fall there before tagging in Jim Evans, who simply gets picked apart, as you might imagine. Finally, it's Dino Bravo with a nasty back suplex, folding Evans in half for Valentine in with a jackhammer of sorts. Take that, Goldberg. And then the hammer elbow drop. Bravo then wants back in, dropping Evans with the side suplex before the Valentine figure four going to end this one. Three minutes and 37 seconds in. Talk about putting someone away. Bravo and Valentine back and forth, just laying in all of their signature moves on poor Jim Evans. As the show continues on, more sound bites ready for you guys. This time, Mean Gene standing by with the Birdman, Coco Beware. He's going to talk all about the upcoming Pile Driver album. We may even hear 
a few bars. By the way, I want to make the announcement you probably heard. There's going to be another wrestling album released real soon. It is called Pile Driver. And one of the exciting men with a cut on that, that tremendous wrestling album, my guest at this time, come on in from Union City, Tennessee. Harmonica and Frankie. Oh, beware. You've got to be excited about that new wrestling album, Pile Driver. I'm telling you, I'm all excited, Mean Gene, because you see, this is something that I, that I want to do for a long time, brother, is sing a song. And, brother, I got this song out. It's called A Pile Driver. Sometimes love is just like a slow dance. Sometimes love, it makes you feel like a pile driver, brother. And I'm all excited because the World Wrestling Federation is a pile driver. We got all the best talent right here in the whole wide world today. All right, I want to say a couple of things. I have noticed that you have been executing to perfection a couple of moves. First of all, that flying drop kick that you execute off the top rope. And you have really been polishing off opponents left and right. With that combination, suplex pile driver, you call it the Ghostbuster, right? That's right. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous move. I mean, an old veteran wrestler taught me that move. He told me, don't ever teach it to nobody else. He said, you're the best that can put it on somebody because you got those short and you're stocky. You got those strong strollers and you can hold anybody that you, if you can get them up on your shoulder. And when I come down, it's just like a Ghostbuster. All right, Frankie, you're excited about it, obviously. You know, you could take yourself out with that move as well as taking out an opponent. That's right, Mean Gene, but you see, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, Mean Gene. The object of it is putting it on my opponent, not myself. All right, how about just a quick quick line or two from Piledriver? Woo! Sometimes love is like a slow dance. You can I like it. I like it. Coco, beware and stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Yeah. So Coco putting over his Ghostbuster finisher. An old veteran taught him the move, but told him never teach it to anyone else. Coco does the move well, nine times out of ten. I'll give him that much. Is up next, it's dog tips from the British Bulldogs. They make sure to let us know that not only do humans need to exercise, but dogs need the exercise too. Take your dogs for walks. Have some fun with your doggy in the backyard. Another dog tip there from the British Bulldogs as we head back to the ring. Macho Man Randy Savage along with the lovely Miss Elizabeth, taking on Scott Casey here this week. And much like Jesse Ventura on Superstars, Bobby Heenan, too, notices changes in the Macho Man. He says something has happened to Macho. Though Bobby goes a different direction than Jesse Ventura, who points out some of the good guy antics of Savages of late. Bobby Heenan stating that Macho is becoming more vicious in his eyes. Very interesting comment there. Surprisingly, Macho playing the heel here, which would be expected against Scott Casey, but just seems odd since they've already started turning him face. Macho even bailing to the floor at one point in the match, hiding behind Miss Elizabeth. As Casey does wind up with a few pinfall attempts here on Savage, but to no avail, Casey goes for a running bulldog, but gets thrown off and crotches himself on the middle turnbuckle across the ring. And then from there, the cowboy winds up outside on the floor for a top rope double axe from the Macho Man to the outside. And then back in the ring, flying elbow going to end it. Two minutes and 20 seconds, your winner, Macho Man Randy Savage. As we're off to yet another special interview up on the platform, Craig DeGeorge standing by this time with the Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart and Dangerous Danny Davis. Is Jimmy making sure to put over his work on the Pile Driver album? Crank it up, Jimmy. Hart says he cranks it up with all of his men. Okay. Then Jimmy Hart welcoming Dangerous Danny Davis up to the platform, who essentially acknowledges that he hasn't got to wrestle much on TV as of yet. Hmm. No shit. I guess he's right. However, Danny's stating that 
he will become a household name soon enough, a true TV star in the weeks and months to come. We'll have to wait and see as we head back to the ring. Brutus the Barber Beefcake taking on Tom Stone, the man that put Kim Patera out of action. As we get an insert picture from Brutus Beefcake here with the world hairstyling champion, Sal Fedora. We'll have more on that next week here on WWF television. But for now, in the ring, Brutai with a power slam and the sleeper hold, putting Tom Stone away in just one minute and 14 seconds, followed by some strutting and most definitely a little cutting. Brutai even signs his masterpiece, aka Tom Stone here, by spray painting a big B on his chest. Is up next, we throw to a quick Honky Tonk Man promo. Last week marked the 10-year anniversary of the passing of one Elvis Presley. But Honky says 10 years ain't nothing because he'll still be Intercontinental Champion 10 years from now. Honky then referring to Elvis as a has-been. I wrote, geez, do we really need to go there? Up next, it's a replay. We saw this a few weeks ago. Jake the Snake Roberts' DDT music video set to Tom Petty's Jammin' Me as the DDT no-doubt jammin' next. And we're going to close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge. One more matchup in the ring. It's Demolition with Mr. Fuji taking on the likes of Omar Atlas and Pete Sanchez. It's interestingly on commentary, the announcers beginning to talk about Jimmy Hart hiding from certain tag teams. Bobby Heenan specifically mentioning the Hart's hiding from his Islanders. Very interesting. We even get an insert promo from the Demolition here, putting over their brand new song coming soon to the WWF. The brand new song on the Piledriver album sang by Rick Derringer. And as you might imagine, as far as the action goes, it's Demolish and Destroy on poor Omar Atlas. And then Sanchez gets his turn as well until it's Demolition Decapitation Time on poor Pete. Ends this one as quickly as it started in just one minute and 20 seconds. And we're going to close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge for the second time this week. We're going to hear from Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the fabulous Rujo Brothers. You know, I think when you're a competitor, a great competitor, the ones that I've known through the years have always had a lot going for them up here. It's all attitude. The right kind of attitude develops winners. You've got to have it here. You've got to have it here. Certainly, you've got to have it physically. And these two gentlemen seem to have it all together. Right now, they're the number one contending tag team for the World Tag Team Championships in the World Wrestling Federation from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Come on in, Raymond and Jacques, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Right now, Jacques, you and your brother are on a roll, so to speak. First of all, thank you everybody out there that has supported us through the World Wrestling Federation. Thank you, Mean Gene, for the compliments. And it really, we, we do appreciate all those nice thoughts because sometimes people just have tendency of taking them and forgetting, taking them for granted like this. Well, I said attitude is very important and I think you and your brother have got the right attitude. Mauvais Jean, if there's a better team right now that deserves to be World Tag Team Champions, we wish them the luck. We wish they should be in front of us. But we personally think that the only thing we're missing now is a chance. A chance to put our hands on the Hart Foundation. You know, the new dream team of Valentine and Bravo have been getting in our way, interfering for us to have that title. But there's one thing we do want to say to the people out there. Good things come to those who wait. My father told us that, and, and he's right, because we've been here over a year, and we're still here, and the Hart Foundation has started to look over the shoulders and seen the Rougeau brothers close in real close. You know, I get the impression, Raymond, that Jimmy, the mouth of the South Hart, and the tag team champions are starting to get a little nervous about the presence of the Rougeaus. I think so, Mean Gene. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that. But, you know, Jimmy Hart does create a problem because he is a constant distraction on the outside. He's always 
trying to get involved in one way or another, you know, it, it makes it kind of an obstacle. It's enough to have to fight the tight team champions, but when you've got a guy like Jimmy Hart on the outside that's always there, and you always got him on your mind, it takes away from you. You know, one thing we'd like is eventually if maybe the World Wrestling Federation could get rid of Jimmy Hart. I don't think we really need him here in the World Wrestling Federation. The Hart Foundation are a great team. They've been champions for almost a year now. So you have to give them credit where credit is due. They are great champions. But you know, like you said, my brother and I, we have the goals. We have had the goals since we joined the World Wrestling Federation. We want to become World Tag Team Champions. And Hart Foundation, we are hot on your trail, and we are going to close in fast. You know, I think Jimmy Hart has got a new job. I don't know. It's a full-time job if you've heard about it. He is now the full-time guitar tuner for the Honky Tonk Man. Just goes around and tunes his guitar up. Well, I'll be honest with you, the guitar man is not on my mind at all. Right now is the world heavyweight title, the tag team title that my brother and I want. And thanks for all the compliments again. Thank you, everybody out there that's supporting the Rougeau brothers. All right, the fabulous Rougeaus, they are Raymond and Jacques, two of the very best here on the World Wrestling Federation. Another promo, the same stuff here. The Rougeaus deserve it of a title shot. They're closing in on it. I wrote, blah. And please turn heel already although we know it's going to be months away. And up next, we fast forward yet another day to August the 24th. Hey, happy birthday, Vince McMahon. Happy birthday, me. Yes, indeed, guys, it's the August 24th edition of Primetime Wrestling. Right, and here we are, August 24th, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Let's start out this week hot, guys. So usually we'll start with the intro, but let's change it up this week. Mean Gene Oakland conducting an interview here, standing by with the macho man, Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. Thank you, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Some now are calling him a, a gold breaker, but <laughs> I don't want to get into that. Let me bring in one of the tremendous stars you see here in the World Wrestling Federation. The man right now is kind of, well, he's kind of all alone. He certainly is being exposed to some of the great ones in the World Wrestling Federation. He is a superstar. What's that? What, what, no, what's that all about? Shoot him up, round him up. I am talking hogtie situation, yeah. Unrequested information, possibly maybe unbelievable. Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, I'm thinking that uh, you point your finger, yeah, possibly at the Macho Man Randy Savage, but that can't be denied right there. I'm visually understanding that the situation is exposed right there. And you mean, Gene Oakland, you could possibly sprinkle, yeah, a little magic dust on the situation. And then, and then, and then, inevitably, the yeah, bang, bang, Bobby Heenan, you too, man, I'm talking Macho Madness in my veins. Elizabeth knows what I'm talking the way, about. The way, I, the way I read it, is it's uh, to be or not to be sprinkled. That's the way I see it, macho man. Uh-uh. No? Better to be rich and dead than poor and alive. Who told you that? Unbelievably a man in the past. Yeah, but I'm thinking the future, the future. Never worry about the future because the future comes soon enough. Gorilla Monsoon, do you understand? Bang, bang! 
Well, I'll tell you what, I've got to believe that Damon Runyon is rolling over in his grave after hearing that. From the Macho Man, Randy Savage, one of the great... Doing the thing right, bang, bang! Former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man Randy Savage, right now, he's got his sights set on titles, believe you me, Hulk Hogan, Honky Tonk Man, I don't think anybody is sacred. Stay tuned, more of Primetime continues after this. Bing, bing! So all sorts of fun there in that promo. I always loved when the Macho Man would leave the promo as Mean Gene's wrapping up and then randomly wander back through and make another comment. Randy Savage, so awesome. In the ring and on the mic. Bang, bang! Aha! Like it. As we go on, some sound bites here this week from Primetime Wrestling. First, Bobby the Brain Heenan sharing his thoughts on the Rougeau brothers coming out of a Rougeau's win over the Masked Shadows. Signifying the Rougeaus are the victors. Thank you, Don Morocco. We'll be right back with more World Wrestling Federation action. Well, Jacques and Ramon proving once again that they are championship caliber material. You know, I hear that Don Morocco's voice is still in bad shape from Orton kicking him in the throat. Well, he, he certainly came across that way, didn't he? Sounds well, terrible. These Rougeaus are uh, quite a flashy team. Everybody seems to be in awe by them. I'm not. I knew you'd have something derogatory to say. Okay, I'm in awe by him. You may feel ahead. any better? Go ahead. Say whatever derogatory remarks you want They're my you second say. favorite team. Yeah, who's your first? Everybody else is tied. Islanders? Yes, they are. Islanders are my favorite the team. The back jumpers. doesn't like matter. Back, them. front, side, back bottom, jumpers. top, middle. You know about the middle. Why don't you let uh, Ravishing Rick go out a couple of nights with King Kong Bundy and uh, fatten up a little bit in the fast food joints? I beg your pardon. Bundy doesn't speak on those. Certainly does. So here we are, coming out of a Rougeau's matchup, getting a win over the Shadows here in a primetime exclusive. Bobby Heenan stating they're his second favorite tag team. Everybody else tied for first. But um bum Bobby. But Gorilla Monsu pointing out, wait a minute, you managed the Islanders, so shouldn't they be number one all by themselves? They also have a little fun here, mocking Don Morocco on commentary. Morocco on commentary all throughout this episode of primetime, getting a tryout here, uh, doing it with the likes of Lanny Poffo and Craig DeGeorge as his play-by-play guy, but... Yeah, here it is. Uh, maybe Morocco's voice, not the greatest, and is uh, blaming a kick from Bob Orton to Morocco's throat for the instance. But no, that's just how the Magnificent One speaks. As prime time rolls on, we're coming out of a matchup. One man gang scoring a win over Outback Jack. As we hear the duo's thoughts on gang, perhaps teaming with Bam Bam Bigelow? Wow. Well, the master blaster laid on by the beached whale, and it wasn't, uh, no way you could survive I that. guess there'll be no parades in Humpty Doo this week. Well, I guess not. The uh, old alligator on his back sort of got <laughs> squinched up there a little bit. It's now just a little frog. I, I think it'd make, it make a nice tag team combination, uh, a one-man gang and King Kong Bundy, don't you? I would see... Or maybe Bam Bam Bigelow? And King Kong Bundy. Or Bam Bam Bigelow and one-man gang? Or Bam Bam Bigelow and... One man gang. <laughs> Wait a minute! You hit me with nine names. There. <laughs> how, how are you coming with Bam Bam? I understand that. Uh, no trouble. Another one of our your associates is biting the dust. They're all going to bite the dust. They're going to drop one by one. So there it was. The gang scoring the win with what Gorilla Monsoon refers to as the Master Blaster finisher, the Gourd Buster. There, Gorilla even referring to Gang as a beached whale. And then they talk about the likes of uh, Bam Bam Bigelow coming in, perhaps teaming with King Kong Bundy, perhaps teaming with the one-man gang. Bobby Heenan sounding a little confused there. As we roll on, I promised it earlier in the show, but here it is as promised. It's the Mr. Wonderful Paul owner Bobby Heenan promo from up there on the stage. Bobby Heenan going to be fired by Mr. Wonderful here 
Oliver Humperdinck announced as his new manager. But the fun part is, coming out of this segment, we're also going to hear from Bobby Heenan, his thoughts on being fired by Mr. Wonderful here on Primetime Wrestling. Let's listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, of course, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Mr. Heenan, I must say, I was a bit skeptical. I mean, last week you did say you were going to produce Paul, Mr. Wonderful, on right here. And you are true to your word. I must compliment you. Let me tell you something. I don't lie. If I tell you I'm going to have something here, I've got something here. I'm going to prove to you, like I said before, that Mr. Wonderful will admit to you about ravishing Rick Rod, Rick Rude's body. He will admit that he is glad to have him in the family. Mr. Wonderful, please come on up here. Here he comes. We will get the word from Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Mr. Wonderful, I want you to tell the people and set the record straight how glad you are that Rick, ravishing Rick Rude, is in the Bobby Heenan family and that he has the greatest physique in the family, in wrestling, in sports today. You really want to know? You tell them how you welcome him with open arms, how you are glad that I have him in the family. I've got Bam Bam Bigelow just about signed. Everything's going my way and how you approved of everything. You tell the humanoids about Rick Rude's body. Uh, he's got the best body. you got a great body, but uh, his is like that much better. You tell him. You really want to know? I want to know. Hey. Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. First of all, Rick Rude does not have a better body than Mr. Wonderful. No. And second of all, I'm sick and I'm tired. I'm sick and I'm tired. I'm sick and I'm tired of lying for you and lying to those people. Come on, get a hold of yourself here. And lying to myself. Oh, I made you a star. I made you what you are today. You made me nothing but misery. Misery! What about the family, Paul? What about the family? I want to tell you what I think of Rick Rude and the family. And I want to tell you something else. I want to tell you something else that you've heard before. You're fired! Hey, in case you didn't understand, Read my lips. You're fired. And I'm going to tell you something else. I want to introduce to you my new manager, Oliver Humperdinck. Yeah. The new manager of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Oliver Humperdinck. This is certainly a damaging blow to the stability of the Heenan family. Humiliated nationally, for the second time, I might add, by the same individual. What are you doing showing that thing? Well, I thought maybe you'd like to. That was personal, between him pers- and I. It wasn't personal, it was a live interview. It was, my, it was my interview, I was conducting an interview. What happened there happened, that was it, period. You don't have to go on showing that to people. 
I thought the public might be interested in what Well, you want to be interested in something? I'll tell the public something. Go ahead. You have How a half hour after that happened, he came to me on his hands and knees begging. That's a lie. Begging me to take him back in the family, begging me liar. for a job. Telling me how sorry he was, how he didn't mean to embarrass me or humiliate me. Well, you never embarrassed me or humiliated me. You just got yourself out of a job. You hooked up right now with some 210-pound red-headed frog loser. You want to hang around with his kind, you're sick and tired of this and that, then you do it. You do it. You walk the streets. You sit in the soup lines. You sit there and try to find yourself a job. Because you want to hang around with somebody else, you hang around that miserable ex-con, Ken Patera, after that ingrateful, what I did for this man. I love it. You're upset. Doesn't warrant me even speaking about it. Your neck bothering you now, is it? No, the pain's a little lower. Oh, okay. In other words, uh, you would be very reluctant about signing any contract with Mr. Wonderful's name on it, in other words. In other words, Rick Rude or The King or King Kong Bundy wouldn't be fit competition for the likes of Mr. Wonderful. I would assume. Mr. Wonderful just about done. I would assume that's what you meant. So Bobby Heenan claiming that Orndorff came back begging a half hour later after firing him. So Paul is sorry now, but it's too late, says the brain. Bobby, much like he did with Patera, using nearly every single segment here of primetime to sell his new angle with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, burying Orndorff in the process, obviously. And then a really odd comment there near the end. Gorilla Monsoon asking, Bobby Heenan, is your neck bothering you now? Bobby Heenan says, no, the pain's a little lower. I wrote, LOL. You never know with Bobby Heenan. Sometimes you don't even get the joke, and it's still funny. Just love the delivery. But there it is, and we'll hear it moving forward as well. Bobby Heenan continuing to sell, being fired by Mr. Wonderful. Does a great job. And we're working with Mr. Wonderful, not Kim Patera this time. So hopefully it gets over just a little bit better as we roll on more here on Primetime coming out of the segment where the Islanders attack Rick Martel. Tito Santana makes the save. We're going to hear Gorilla and Bobby's take on the entire situation. I told you that Martel had friends. Santana sitting at ringside with two other gentlemen doing Spanish commentary for the match saw what needed to be done, and went to work. How come the other two didn't come down and help? Because I know what would have happened to them. When I sent the Islanders down there, I sent them down just to let Martel know we were in the neighborhood. Sure. Then I'm not going to even repeat to you what Martel said to them in French. Of course not. Well, because it's vulgar. Sure. You're an instigator, Brain. Thank you. You've always been an instigator. You tried to back jump Rick Martel. You eliminated his partner... Now no, you're no, trying no. to eliminate him. No, 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 no. That, 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 uh, that insignificant uh, former ham and egger just took a hike because he didn't have it here. He was just yellow. Well, Mar- uh, Martel is not that way. No, he isn't. He's going to stick around until it's all over and done with. He's a But he's not going to get any help from anybody. And you want to call some commentator like Santana, Border Patrol, look out for Rick Martel. We'll be back right uh, after Reba. this. So Gorilla Monsoon referencing the fact that the Islanders, he said, you eliminated his partner. Talking about Tom Zink there and Rick Martell. Bobby Heenan correcting Gorilla, though, then burying Tom Zink here. We didn't eliminate anything. He was just a ham and egger who took off, didn't have the heart to get the job done. And then Bobby Heenan referring to the tandem as Border Patrol. His primetime closes up this week. I got an outro also here in the soundbite. It's Bobby Heenan with more talk on Mr. Wonderful. Uh, You and I obviously don't see things in the same vein. No, we don't. You're like Orndorff and the rest of them. You're jealous. Orndorff's going to pay like the rest of them. I can remember a short time ago when it was Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, it's Mr. Benedict Arnold. You were right. Now it's Orndorff. It's not even that. It's not even that. It's Mr. Scum. Well, 
you can say what you want, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but and so will the Bobby Heenan names family. will never hurt you, or something to that effect. Something like that. Well, folks, that wraps it up for another week here. I don't care what you think about it. I'm going to go back and have the guys look around and see if we can't come up with that footage from yesteryear when you were fired for the first time by Mr. Wonderful. I was just about ready to drop him that time, too, but we settled our differences. Oh, that's not important. But we settled our differences. I guided him to a lot of main events. He didn't get the job done for me. Never got the title for him. He never got it for me either. But then I fired him. Nobody in your family has got a title. Well, because of the officiating. But still, I didn't take it out on Mr. Wonderful. I realized he lacked a few things, but I bent over backwards and looked over that. Now I got Rick Rude, ravishing Rick Rude. And I'll tell you something. Half hour after he fired me, he came in on his hands and knees and said, That's Mr. Heenan, you know. I've why, made a mistake. Why do you want to lie on national? How do you sleep at night? On my side. Very easy. Pull the covers up real tight and fluff the pillow. I can sleep great. Sure. I know what, nothing What'd wrong. you do? Have your conscience burned out? I don't have a conscience. Yeah, that's quite don't obvious. Need one. That's quite you. obvious. You might need one next week because we're going to show it if we can find it. Who knows what we'll see here on Primetime Lessons. So there it was more Orndorff talk, but the brain, he has Rick Rude now. Gorilla Monsoon asking Bobby Heenan, how do you sleep at night? On my side, says Heenan, as he finally agrees with Gorilla Monsoon. You were right all along. He is not Mr. Wonderful. He is indeed Mr. Benedict Arnold. Mr. Scum. Strong word from the brain. Hopefully, Paul Orndorff can get his revenge there. And then this week, we had four exclusive matches on Primetime Wrestling. Two of them recorded August the 4th, Madison, Wisconsin, at the Dane County Coliseum, including the Rougeos over the Shadows, 6 minutes, 24 seconds, with Le Bon de Rougeau. Also from that show on August the 4th, the Junkyard Dog battling outlaw Ron Bass to a double countout in just over 8 minutes' time. And then two exclusive matches also taped August the 5th in La Crosse, Wisconsin, Nikolai Volkov over Jerry Allen with the backbreaker in nearly seven minutes, guys. Ugh. Volkov versus Jerry Allen, seven minutes, no thank you. And then last but not least, a very interesting one. Listen to this. The King Harley race with Bobby Heenan in his corner, pinning Brutus the Barber Beefcake in about 11 and a half minutes. Bobby Heenan up on the apron, distracting the barber, while the King from behind with a high knee into the back. Going to steal the win there, and I do believe this is Beefcake's first pinfall loss, definitely on TV, since turning babyface. However, after the bout, it was fun time for the barber, at least for a moment, putting Bobby Heenan in the sleeper, putting him down to sleep, and looking to cut his hair before Harley Race making the save at the last split second there for the brain as we conclude this edition of Primetime Wrestling. Move on to the following week, going to close out the month of August now, guys. Superstars of Wrestling, August the 29th. Take back August the 4th, Madison, Wisconsin, Dane County Coliseum, Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno Sammartino on commentary. As Jesse loves what he heard from the new Piledriver album thus far, he says his favorite is Crank It Up by Jimmy Hart. While Vince McMahon suggests Jesse listen to Piledriver by Coco Beware, or better yet, Stand Back. (laughs) Ha ha, pal. As we're off to the ring to watch Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff along with new manager Oliver Humperdinck, take on Iron Mike Sharp. As we get an insert promo here from Bobby Heenan and Ravishing Rick Rude, they say that Orndorff is just jealous of the Ravishing One. And then back to the ring, Mike Sharp attacking before the bell, but it doesn't take long for Orndorff to make the comeback, firing up on Mike Sharp here. Dropkick, sending Sharp out to the floor. And then back inside, Paul Orndorff pounding away on Sharp, even when he gets caught in the ropes. The aggression's still here. From Mr. Wonderful, taking advantage of Mike Sharp and the ropes. And then Iron Mike eventually blasting Paul 
with his questionable forearm band, but wonderful, he calls the spot out loud and comes back with a clothesline and a pile driver. Going to get the win here, 3 minutes and 14 seconds, and the crowd goes nuts for the pile driver and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And Orndorff, he hasn't done much of anything following his monster feud with Hulk Hogan in the latter half of 86 that seemed to culminate all the way back in January in that steel cage match on Saturday night's main event. And this face turn adds some freshness to Wonderful's return as he battled with the injuries and atrophy throughout here in 1987. But not sure that Humperdinck will add much here to Paul Orndorff. Really doesn't need a manager, really. Great talker, good in the ring, lots of charisma. It's just good to see Paul back in the swing of things, though, and heading into a feud with ravishing Rick Rude. As we're off to update, and Craig did George this week, Brutus the Barber Beefcake standing by with the world-renowned hairstylist Sal Federa. As we see a clip, we're off to New York City. Brutus Beefcake meeting up with Federa at the Federa Styling Studio. Beefcake getting lessons here this week on how to be a true hairstylist. And at first, it looks like the barber's struggling as he tries to cut the hair of some mannequins, but he ends up getting a certificate anyway, graduating from the Federa Hairstyling School. So if Beefcake can do it, you guys can do it too. Can't imagine what he cost. And as for this segment, it was harmless, goofy 1980s WWF stuff that maybe went on a little too long, but it's over and done with. Thank God this wasn't built up throughout several weeks of highlights. One quick clip, you can't really complain. Brutus Beefcake, the certificate. He is now a true hairstylist, but he'll remain the barber in the ring. Is up next, guys. It's off to the next Battle for Bam Bam update. Who's eliminated now? You'll have to wait and see. The battle for Bam Bam's winding down, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, have I got news for you? Ooh, lay it on me. I got news for you. Come on. You ain't getting him. I ain't getting him. You're out of there. No you Bam got Bam? No Bam Bam. Wait a minute. Last week, Paul Orndorff pulled this stuff on me. Now you're telling me no Bam Bam? No, it's slick behind us. Who's behind us? I want to know right now, Jesse. You can tell me. There's you got to no tell Bam me. Bam, you got to tell me, Jesse. You're out of there. You're out of So there it was, down to two managers remaining. Jesse Ventura informing Bobby the Brain Heenan that he, too, is out of the running. So last week it was Paul Orndorff. This week, Bam Bam, what's going on with the Heenan family? And thus leaves the Doctor of Style Slick as the final manager left to manage Bam Bam Bigelow. More on that later here in this episode of Superstars. But right now we're back to the ring. Six-man tag team action, ravishing Rick Rude, the King Harley race, and the mighty Hercules taking on the trio of Rick Gantner, Frankie DeFalco, and Pete Sanchez, and no brain at ringside here at the beginning of the matchup. Likely after learning he was passed over by Bam Bam Bigelow, Heenan a little upset, no doubt, but Rick Rude does his deal in the ring on the mic before the matchup, removing his robe, showing off his body for the ladies in attendance as the heels jump the job, guys. Hercules with a nasty clothesline on DeFalco, Harley Race in with a gut-wrench suplex and a Vertical suplex, ah, ah, brother. Harley Race taking DeFalco down with his old finisher. And finally, we see Bobby making his way down to ringside just in time for Rick Rude to finish off DeFalco with his body breaker. That over-the-shoulder backbreaker getting the submission win here for the Heenan family in just one minute and 35 seconds. As we're off to a Mean Gene promo this week, Mean Gene standing by, jumping Jim Brunzel, the returning B. Brian Blair. It's the Killer Bees. 
All right, I've, I've, I guess, uh, shared my thoughts with you regarding the current situation of the World Wrestling Federation as it pertains to the tag teams. I have never seen so many great, really great tag teams under one umbrella, under one federation, as I have right now in the World Wrestling Federation. You have, at the top of the ladder, the Hart Foundation. They are the tag team champions of the world. And then closely grouped behind, British Bulldogs, the Rougeos, Demolition, Kamala, Sika. That list goes on and on. I couldn't forget these two men. Certainly couldn't forget them. They've got to be the number one contenders right now. Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair, they are the killer bees. And, of course, ultimately, you want those tag team titles. We sure do, Mean Gene. You know, we're, we're, uh, we are two determined men right now, Mean Gene. And we're motivated men, and we're motivated by two things. They are. Number one, of course, is the world tag team title. And number two is all the people out there that have supported us, the cards, the letters. I mean, we've gotten letters from Japan, Australia, everywhere. And those people say, when are you going to beat the Hart Foundation? We want to see the world champion titles around the bee's waist. And so that's our other motivation. That's our other purpose, Mean Gene. We want to win the titles for two reasons, the belts, and for all those people that have supported us. So that's our mission right now. You can't do it alone, Jimmy. I think you and Brian know that. You've got to have the support of the fans. It, it, it gives you strength. Mm. It sure does. You know, and, and Brian and I, we've been through a lot in uh, uh, two years together. Uh, we've had some injuries. We had some bad luck. We had some frustrations. And sure, there's a lot of pressure on all the teams, like you mentioned before. But, you know, Brian and I are on a run. We've got two wins over the hearts and non-title uh, matches. And hopefully, uh, maybe mass uh, confusion will prevail. And confusion, yes. We'll be the new World Tag Team Champs. Good to We're going to find out. I thank oh. you, Brian. Good to see you back. And also, jumping Jim Brunzel. Boy, the list of tag teams, very impressive. They're one of the greatest killer bees. So, Brunzy says they've had some bad luck. But things are starting to move in their direction. After that recent win over the Hart Foundation non-title win on TV, they have to be in line for a true tag team title shot. Brian Blair also back from suspension, so the Killer Bees back in full effect here. As I've got another soundbite lined up for you guys right now, another quick promo this week from the Honky Tonk Man, but this week, he's not talking Elvis. He's outing WWF superstars. Listen to this. Continental champion, the Honky Tonk Man has very little regard for former champions. Here's what the Honky Tonk Man had to say about former champions. You're looking at the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time. When you look back at the former champion, you think about Ricky Steamboat, he was nothing. You think about Tito Santana, forget about him. You think about the Macho Man. I'm the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the Honky Tonk Man. You wonder just how long the Honky Tonk Man will reign as intercontinental champion. So Honky Tonk Man, after a brief run here, thus far as I see champion, already referring to himself as the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And forget about the past. He says, forget about guys like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Tito Santana, and did he say the Macho Man Randy Savage? A simple mention of the Macho Man in the past tense, signifying he's below the Honky Tonk Man on the list of greatest IC champions. One tiny little seed will soon receive all the attention it needs to grow into a major issue for one honky-tonk man. As we head back to the ring, Junkyard Dog in action this week, taking on Terry Gibbs. Vince McMahon promoting all of the Piledriver songs with Jesse Ventura here on commentary during this one, including, once again, Stand Back! Ha <laughs> ha! Gotta get that over, pal! And as the dog match goes on, we get an insert promo here from Dangerous Danny Davis. He doesn't care for the JYD carrying a chain to the ring. So I got to ask, do we have a JYD Danny Davis feud brewing? Honestly, 
if Dawn got around the ring a little better and not blown up so quickly, it could have been fun. As Gibbs with some token offense at one point in the match, but goes up top and he gets caught. JYD catching Gibbs off the top rope down into the thump power slam. Little different setup this week. I liked it. Gives the JYD the win. Two minutes and six seconds. Here we go. Another soundbite queued up this week. Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Jimmy Hart and his tag team champions, Bret Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the Hart Foundation. He's got to be the happiest man in the World Wrestling Federation right now. Jimmy Hart, come on in. Honky Talk Man, your Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> no, yes. And from Reno, Nevada, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the former football great from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Brett the Hitman Hart are the tag team champions of the world. You know, the paper said, everybody says, the greatest team in the history of professional wrestling today. I guess you can say we are the in crowd. Am I right, Anvil? <laughs> <laughs> what about it, Jim Neidhart? You know what's wrong with the Killer Bees? Why do the Killer Bees have to cheat and use their masks? Why do the Islanders have to come to the ring in dresses? Why do the Demolition have to wear spikes? Why are the Rougeos just so unpopular? Because <laughs> as a man said it, they just aren't in with the in crowd. <laughs> We're the in crowd. Is that right, Bret Hart? Wouldn't you think so? You're the tag honest, team champions Gene, of the world. Honest, if we'd let you inside the Hart Foundation, Bill, and we let you come to the parties with the Hart Foundation, you'd want to come, right? I've been inside the Hart Foundation. Yeah, but I mean, you'd like to stay. You'd like to stay with the good. You've got a few different people we, uh, up there, I'd say that. Yeah, we have a lot of different people, but the point is, the in-crowd is on a roll. The Hart Foundation is on a roll, and we keep rolling and rolling and rolling over all these tag teams, Gene. There's none left. They're dropping like flies around here. <laughs> And what is with this color pink? Ever since the Hart Foundation or the world champions, everybody's wearing pink. You can find it in any store from coast to coast. That's in, baby. You know, let me tell you this, Daddy. Yes, like you said, the in crowd. We are cool, we are cocky, and we are confident, and we are the world champions. If you want us, come and get us. You know, we have open contracts. The Hart Foundation. Big, bad, rough, and tough, and hard to bluff, you right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. They are the tag team champions of the world. They are the Hart Foundation. All right, I hope you guys listen to that one carefully. I love how they have a joke for all the other teams in the WWF, but then when they get to the Rougeos, they simply point out they're not popular. It was joke enough. I wrote LOL. So it was no secret within the company that clearly the Rougeos, the babyface experiment is what it is for right now. Kind of feel bad for the Rougeos. And they say that neon pink is being stolen by everyone lately. Well, it was the 1980s, Anvil. Neon pink was hot. Hence the name, Hot Pink. All right. And up next, originally slated for a tag team encounter. This match changed at the last minute to a handicap matchup as the one-man gang asking his manager Slick, as well as partner Nikolai Volkov for this one to step down and allow the gang to go one-on-two, two-on-one, depending on how you want to look at it. And Nikolai gladly steps aside to allow the gang to take on the team of Mr. Arthur Washington. Remember him from that Chris Curtis match, Ted DiBiase last week? It's Arthur Washington teaming here with, quote-unquote, Jim Milliman. It is, however, it is indeed Jake the Milkman Milliman as we're shown a quick picture taken with the Doctor of Style Slick standing with Bam Bam Bigelow, further leading us to believe that Bammer has indeed signed with the Doctor of Style as the gang jumps both men, then a nasty clothesline and a gourd buster on Milliman almost immediately, and then a gourd buster on Washington dropping him on top of the milkman, gang climbing on top, pinning both men in 1 minute and 36 seconds. 
just another hard sell for the one-man gang as the next house show challenger for Hulk Hogan's WWF title. Brother. And then up next, a platform interview special interview. Craig DeGeorge, along with Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Bodyguard Virgil is DiBiase talking a lot faster here. Very noticeable. Barely taking a pause in between sentences and perhaps a little press for time, I guess. But also more aggressive and angry is the style of delivery here this week for the Million Dollar Man. Much different delivery than the slow, methodical Million Dollar Man we've heard thus far. As DiBiase calling up a fan to kiss the foot of Virgil this week for $200. And then we see a fan, some guy coming up who looks like he belongs on an episode of On Patrol Live has no trouble doing so, kissing Virgil's foot not once, but instructed to kiss it twice. As DiBiase then tosses the money down on the ground, the guy's snatching it up just as quickly as he can before it can be taken away. So a fan paid $200 here to kiss the foot of Virgil. As as this week, Ted DiBiase comes across as more of an asshole here, like he knows what he's talking about rather than trying to just play a character. I'm not sure if he was given some advice or just finally clicked for him, but The evilness of the Million Dollar Man character is there now in his delivery. And it's not just words anymore. The emotion now attached. And this will be what gets that Million Dollar Man character over to that next level. As we head back to the ring, it's time for the debut of Strike Force. Rick Martell, Tito Santana taking on the team of Steve Lombardi and Tiger Chung Lee. And no music just yet for Strike Force, but they do have matching gear already including red jackets. Hey guys, that's Roman Powers gimmick. Gonna have to change some color there. And then on commentary, Jesse Ventura making mention of the name I suggested last week on the grenade. Why not call him the Mexican connection? Makes sense, Jesse. Vince McMahon seems to think it's a little, I don't know, racist. But then again, Vince is the one that wanted to call him border patrol. What's wrong with that, pal? As we get an insert promo here from Strike Force, who spend the time discussing their new song by Robbie Dupree, Girls in Cars, on the upcoming Pile Driver album, spending more time putting over this song rather than putting over the fact that they're a brand new tag team or discussing their feud with the Islanders. In fact, how the hell did Strike Force get a Pile Driver song when they just formed like a week or two ago? As the action gets going, Martell early on with a Hurricane Rana taking Steve Lombardi over. But Tiger Chung Lee tagging in and taking control of Tito Santana. But Santana finally managing to dodge a corner charge by Tiger and tags back to Rick Martel. And Martel eventually whipping Tiger into the ropes in one direction. Tito Santana running the ropes in the opposite direction. Both men meeting mid-ring for a flying forearm. Great force behind that. I guess you could say striking force behind that flying forearm. Gets the win over Tiger Chung Lee here. 2 minutes and 49 seconds, and I try and discuss this all the time online. And unless you go back and watch all of this from the beginning to the end, document this entire Can-Am's strike force ordeal, yes, the more talented team, 1,000% is strike force. Tom Zink was green as grass compared to Tito Santana. But the proof is right there on film, guys. Strike force was solid and immediately better than all the other tag teams here in the WWF right now, but they never reached that overness level of the Can-Am connection. Tom Zink, Rick Martell, they had something special with the crowd, and it never fully translated over to Strike Force. Even though, once again, wrestling-wise, Strike Force, the more fundamentally sound team, the better team in the ring, I'll say that all day long, but and maybe a little of it 
was because of that old hat feeling of Tito Santana joining in, who had really been floundering around for the past year, year and a half, joining up with Rick Martel. But I don't know, they just never seemed to get as over as that Can-Am connection pop. But at the same time, Strike Force, great tag team. Is up next, it's more dog tips this week from the British Bulldogs. Fun way to keep them around while Dynamite Kid is off rehabbing his back here. This week, the Bulldogs reminding us to keep your dogs on a leash for the protection of themselves and others. Good rule of thumb, Dynamite, Davy Boy. And of course, Matilda's tip for us. Headbutt, Dynamite. Headbutt, Dynamite. Never gets old. As is back to the ring, closing out this week's superstars, Axe and Smash Demolition, Mr. Fuji in their corner, taking on the very capable team of C.V. Afi and Cowboy Scott Casey here as we get an insert promo from the Demos as they dig their new cut on the Piledriver album with Rick Derringer. Eh, not really sure I buy into this heel monster demolition team putting over their theme song on the Piledriver album, but you gotta do what you gotta do. It's all about the merchandise sales. And in the ring, it's all business, as the demolition first picking apart Scott Casey, followed by C.V. Afi, and the axe left arm clothesline smash in for the hot shot across the top rope, and then the demolition decapitation finishing Afi off, in two minutes and 15 seconds. And and I swear, guys, it feels like Demolition fights C.B. Afi almost every week on TV. As we close out this edition of Superstars of Wrestling, one more promo lined up with Mean Gene Oakland, this time standing by with Jake the Snake Roberts. All right, thank you, Gorilla Monsoon. And of course, your sidekick, who is built like a brick, like a gold breaker, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Jake Roberts, come on in. I'm not going to ask you to throw your two cents worth in on that. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about what's going on right now in the World Wrestling Federation, especially involving the Intercontinental Champion of the World, the Honky Tonk Man. I don't think I've seen anybody quite so cocky, quite so arrogant as this flamboyant man from Memphis, Tennessee. Boy's taking his chances, isn't he? He is. He's letting that mouth overload what he can carry. You can't carry on what you've been saying. Everybody around town is talking about you. They say you're laying down the song anytime you want to. Well, standing right here is one man that will not sing the blues for you. I mean, after all, you've taken your best shots. You've tried a few things that didn't work. But you've got my attention, my full, undivided attention. Now, that's something you've got to deal with, Honky Tonk, because you know where we're different. You're taking your best shots on me, and I'm still getting up. When I drop a man, they don't get up. And if I ever get the chance of getting my hands on you, I'll be careful of your greasy hair, because I don't want my hands to slip when I hook that DDT and drive you through the mat. Now, Jimmy, you'd be a good little squirrel and stay in the corner and behave yourself. I can't stand that little twerp. That's it, a twerp. It's a female squirrel. He thinks he's got the world going all his way. He's got the tag team champions on his side. He seems to be pulling this out of that. But you got to think back how you achieved your success. I've taken my chances in the past. I've lit candles in the wind. I mean, after all, I'm just a strange little boy stuck in high society, walking around with high heel women full of champagne and lies. So I know how to live my life. And I know what I want. And honky tonk. I got to tell you the truth, brother. It's all you. All right, Jake the Snake Roberts with uh, some comments regarding the Intercontinental Champion of the World, the Honky Tonk Man. There was Jake the Snake talking the Honky Tonk Man in his recent return from injury, but Jake's still going to be out. More suspension ahead. We'll get into that next week as we begin September news and results here on the Grenade. But for right now, Jake Roberts just back in action very briefly before he's out again another six weeks. 
the Snake Man still talking about Honky Talk Man as he had some matches scheduled with Honky upcoming in September, October. Now, those don't likely take place as the WWF going to have to find something new for Jake the Snake upon his return. And then closing out this edition of Superstars, he appears to be the only one left in the battle for Bam Bam. We're going to hear from the Doctor of Style, Slick. The Slickster. The Slickster will have with him at his side next week. Bam Bam Bigelow. Let's take you now to comments from the Slickster. <laughs> yep, yeah, oh yeah, I've told you. That's it. That's right. I've told everybody that I was gonna have Bam Bam Bigelow. Now didn't I tell you? That's right. And hey, guess what? Next week. The big brother's gonna be right by my side, just like I promised, I guarantee it, yeah. So all of that and a whole lot more headed your way next week right here on the Superstars of Wrestling. So there it was, a gloriously happy Slickster. He tells us next week he will present us with Bam Bam Bigelow right here on TV as we move on to Wrestling Challenge, August the 30th, tape back August 5th. Lacrosse, Wisconsin, Lacrosse Center, Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary, and immediately, Mean Gene Oakland, standing by with Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson, yet again, who liked to get himself over here with the WWF hat on TV. Vote for Tommy, everyone. And actually, Tommy Thompson was freshly elected Governor of Wisconsin in 1987 for his first term, and he remained on as governor all the way until 2001 when he left office and worked for President Bush and his cabinet for his entire four-year term as well. So dude knows his politics, and he's playing it here with the WWF fans. As we get things going with Jake the Snake Roberts this week in the ring, taking on Steve Lombardi. As Lombardi with some offense early on after Jake runs into a knee in the corner, but Roberts going to cut him off with a short-arm clothesline and the knee lift. Jake then working the arm extensively of Lombardi before landing a bulldog face buster, and the DDT finally going to get the win in 4 minutes and 33 seconds. And some Damien for post-match fun activity as well. Pretty long squash there. Four and a half minutes for anyone, much less Jake the Snake Roberts. Still nothing wrong with the matchup per se. Just seems stretched out unnecessarily. As we move on for a special report and Craig DeGeorge. Last week we talked about Tito saving Rick Martel from the Islanders here on Wrestling Challenge. This week it appears the two have formed a striking new force. We hear from both sides, Strike Force, as well as Bobby Heenan and his Islanders, as Tito Santana steps in and the feud will continue. As both sides of the feud now trying to explain the name Strike Force, Bobby Heenan saying they're going to force people around the ring, doing a lot of striking. Cringeworthy explanation there for the team name of Strike Force. I can't wait until we get past this whole inception of the team name, because if it has to be explained 20 times, guys, probably not a good name to begin with. Up next, we see a replay of Mr. Fuji eliminated for the Battle of Bam Bam. I'm telling you guys here on Challenge, you got to catch up. And then up next, back to the ring, Killer Khan in the ring with Mr. Fuji. This week, taking on Jack the Milkman Milliman. It was Jim Milliman on Superstars. Jack Milliman here on Wrestling Challenge, and he's Jake the Milkman Milliman in the AWA. Go figure. Is Khan with chops, the thrust kick, green mist, a backbreaker, diving knee drop, Paid by numbers by this point, but still effective. Killer Khan getting the win. One minute and 51 seconds. Look out, Hulkster. And look out, Mean Gene. Up next, standing by, Jimmy Hart. Colonel Jimmy Hart, because he has with him 
the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. All right, here we go again. Jimmy Hart, come on in if you would, please. The Mouth of the South, you're on a roll right now. You've got, you've got three world champions in your stable, the tag team champions, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You also have the Intercontinental Champion of the World, the Honky Tonk Man. But a lot of things are happening. A lot of pressures being brought to bear on you. You know, let me tell you something, man. We have open contracts against anybody, any place, anytime, anywhere. He is the Intercontinental Champion. You don't see him oh. running. We have the Heart Foundation of the Champs, baby, and dangerous Danny Davis. Don't forget about Danny. All right, yes. Honky Talk Man, the Intercontinental Champion of the World right now. You are riding on an all-time high. Mm-hmm. The whole month of August, whose picture's been on the front of every periodical, every newspaper across the United States, Canada, around the world? Uh-uh. It wasn't that overweight it has been. Elvis Presley was a Honky Talk Man's picture. That's right, baby. Tenth year anniversary. Well, all the celebrating's over. The anniversary now is for the Honky Tonk Man, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion of the World. That's what the celebrating's all about. That's what, why what, we're... What anniversary? Anniversary? Your, your anniversary. <laughs> you better believe it. Just being able to hold this belt, to meet and defeat every contender the WWF has to offer. The list goes on and on. Who has been the greatest Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion of all time? You. Not Don Morocco. Not Greg Valentine. Not Tito Santana. Not Macho Man Randy Savage. What about Ricky Steamboat? <laughs> That's who I beat. I beat him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. I beat him like yesterday's newspaper. Where's he at now? He's long gone just like all the other intercontinental heavyweight champions. They're gone because they're afraid of the honky-tonk, man, because I am the best intercontinental heavyweight champion in the world. Let's do some celebrating. Woo! Isn't he great? Anniversary time. I thank you, Jimmy Hart and intercontinental champion, the honky-tonk man. So Jimmy Hart has everything going his way at this point. Tag Team Champion Hart Foundation, Intercontinental Champion Honky Tonk Man. And speaking of, Honky Tonk Man coming into the promo, bearing Elvis Presley even more this week and bragging that he is the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Not Ricky Steamboat, not Don Morocco, not even Greg Valentine, Tito Santana, and especially not you, Macho Man Randy Savage. They're all afraid of the Honky Tonk Man. Honky, you may learn to regret those words as we move on. Another promo here for you guys this week. Recently departed team of Orton and Morocco standing by the newly turned babyface, the magnificent one, or maybe he's undergoing a name change here. It's Don Morocco. Well, it is official. The divorce decree is final. Morocco and Orton are kaput right now. And that leaves the magnificent one on his own. Kaput? Yeah. I don't need no partner. I don't need no manager. You didn't drop a stone into a quiet pond, Bob Orton. You dropped a boulder into a raging inferno. Magnificent Morocco is all alone. He certainly is, but he's dangerous. So there it is. Morocco stating that he doesn't need a partner or a manager. Then references there of stones and boulders, but I think he's going to settle in on... A rock, as in The Rock, Don Morocco, and Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, both on commentary, putting Morocco over strong. Bobby Heenan stating that Morocco will be even more dangerous now as he's on his own. So trying to get everyone to buy into this split and the babyface turn of Don Morocco whenever you get a heel putting over a babyface on TV. And Bobby Heenan doing a good job here as we head back to the ring for the natural Butch Reed. Slickster in his corner taking on Brady Boone. Is Nikolai Volkov out here, I guess, just to get on TV? Volkov singing the Russian National Anthem. 
and this a good way to get Volkov on TV without having to watch him wrestle. Thank God. We also get an insert promo from Slick, who says it's all but obvious at this point that he is the last man standing in the battle for Bam Bam as Butch Reed catches a crossbody early on, dropping Boone across the top rope, and then the natural with a swinging neckbreaker and even busting out a dropkick as well this week. But Boone, going to make the comeback, does his double backflip dropkick, but it only causes Reed to stagger. Brady winds up getting laid out with a jumping lariat clothesline, Boone doing a 360 bump off of that lariat, and then Reed with the press slam, going to get the win here in 3 minutes and 50 seconds. But Brady Boone with so many dangerous bumps, and not in that fun way, guys, not in that Kurt Hennig way, but if you go and watch Brady Boone's stuff overall here in his WWF run, his entire spiel is that he has an acrobatic background, right? But there's at least one botch in every match, and it's always from Boone's flippy moves or trying to take a flippy bump. And here in this matchup, he almost eats it twice, guys, barely clearing a 360 flip off of the butchery clothesline, and nothing wrong with trying to take that bump, but it was a flying clothesline. So you're trying to jump in the air and take a backflip bump off of a guy who's flying in the air. And then at the end of the matchup, Reed going for a press slam, looking to drop Boone on his back clearly as he launches him forward, but Boone trying to stay flat, land on his face, and nearly breaking his neck in the process. Not pretty here, but Butchery does get the win. And don't get me wrong, guys, Brady Boone, he had some talent, but relied far too much on that flashy stuff and didn't always work out for him like he wanted. Like I said, one botch almost every match. Go back and watch yourself. As we're off next, Mean Gene Oakland standing by this time, He's back from his knee injury. It's Billy Jack Haynes. All right, stay tuned. We're going to get you back up into the ring here in just a moment or two for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. You know, the World Wrestling Federation, it is a very physical, it is a very rough, rough sport. And from time to time, it does take its toll. Billy Jack Haynes from Portland, Oregon, come on out. Talking about taking its tolls. There are some injuries that that people don't even realize happen, but... Back here three or four weeks ago, you sustained a, an injury to your knee, and you've been laid up. Let's let's tell the truth. You've been laid up. You know who did it. Well, I've been laid up for three and a half weeks now, Gene, and, uh, you know, making no bones about it, when I stepped into the ring uh, five years ago, I knew professional wrestling was the toughest sport to ever be involved in. I boxed as an amateur. I played ice hockey, basketball, football, and pro wrestling tops of cake. Yeah, I know who did it. It was done by Hercules. No crying over spilled milk. WrestleMania 3, everybody's seen what happened. Now, Gene, I appreciate all the support all through the country I've had, especially from my home state of Oregon. But, Gene, let's face it, professional wrestling is tough, and I would. I've been sidelined for three weeks with a knee injury. Okay, I want to talk about that injury specifically. I happen to be at the arena when the injury took place, when you sustained that, that devastating knee injury, and it could have been avoided. But Hercules, I think, intentionally has been programmed by Bobby Heenan to hurt you, to maim you, and that he did. That he did. And I'll tell you, Gene, you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot since I've been in the World Wrestling Federation. This is the top of the ladder. The toughest men in the, in the business are in the WWF. And this one, Billy Jack Haynes, right now is back full strength, 100%. And Hercules Hernandez and everybody in the Heenan family, I'm telling you right directly to your face, Billy Jack Haynes is ready, and they're telling you what? I'm out to hurt the Heenan family for good. I'm tired of them. All right, after what happened, I can understand. Emotions running high with Billy Jack Haynes, and we're right back. And it's been a bit since we've heard from Billy Jack Haynes here on WWF TV. Mean Gene does mention Haynes recently out with that knee surgery, but he is back here by the end of August, and 
Also back to raging, screaming promos here from one Billy Jack Haynes as he apparently vows death on most of the Heenan family. And when I saw Billy Jack Haynes shtick in the mid-90s there in the USWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I bought the psycho promos. The guy scared me then. But even here in 1987, that jacked-up baby-faced Billy Jack Haynes, dude is just scary. As up next, it's more dog tips from the British Bulldogs, who this time remind us to give our dogs lots of water, especially here in the summer heat. In fact, I'll be giving my dog more water here in just a few minutes after the show, but right now we continue on. George the Animal Steel in the ring, taking on Rick Gantner, is Bobby Heenan storming away from the broadcast booth after Gorilla Monsoon announces after this matchup, we'll see a replay of Mr. Wonderful firing Bobby the Brain from Superstars, upsetting Bobby Heenan here, leaving commentary. Meanwhile, in the ring, George Steele with the usual turnbuckle eating and flying hammerlock. Going to get the win here, one minute and 59 seconds. And then, as promised, replay from Superstars, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff firing one Bobby the Brain Heenan, picking up Oliver Humperdinck as his new manager. So we head back to the ring for Heenan family action. Bobby the Brain Heenan out there accompanying the likes of the King Harley Race and the Mighty Hercules for tag team action. Going to take on the, uh-oh, tag team of Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma coming off two big wins in a row over the Hart Foundation and Kamala and Sika. Can they do the trifecta here and take out the team of Harley Race and Hercules? We'll have to wait and see here as Johnny V joining Gorilla Monsoon on commentary for this one, and it's back and forth early on as the heels have a tough time slowing down their opponents. Harley Race getting bumped over the top rope and out of the ring as Powers and Roma double-teaming the mighty Hercules. The heels, though, finally getting in some shots after Powers running into a Harley Race knee from the apron. Hercules landing his nasty clothesline, driving Powers down to the mat, and then Harley Race in with the belly-to-belly suplex, which put away the JYD at WrestleMania 3, but can't put Powers away with it here in the month of August. Powers finally managing to make the tag out to partner Paul Roma, who comes in, taking it to both of the Heenan family members. Insanely high dropkick on Harley Race. Another nice dropkick on Hercules as well. And then Roma with a sunset flip off the middle ropes on Hercules, but the king in to break up the count, leading into a four-way melee. All four men back in the ring. Roma then with an airplane spin on the mighty Hercules as Dave Hepner shooing Jimmy Powers back to the corner. And it seems like Roma spinning Hercules and the airplane spin here. It looks like he's waiting for Harley Race to interfere, but he's not. So Paul just kind of abruptly stops spinning Hercules and acts dizzy, allowing Harley Race to grab Roma, smash him head first into the turnbuckle. Down goes Roma, Hercules climbing on top to pick up the win. Two minutes and 24 seconds after a turnbuckle shot? I don't know. And this one really surprised me. The momentum stopped dead in its tracks for Powers and Roma here. They beat Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation on that reverse decision. They outsmart and outquick the monster heels. Kamala and Sika last week in a countout victory. And then this week, they lose to a makeshift tag team that's going nowhere right now in the King Harley race and Hercules. Really weird finish to boot. This really felt like the perfect opportunity to pull the trigger with a surprise win here, and it would have hurt nobody. And given the future young stallions the rub they needed, instead, like I said, the momentum halted dead in its tracks. Hercules and Harley Race beat Roma and Powers here, and that finish? Really odd. 
is up next on the show another pile driver album promo before we head back to the ring for the lead vocal on the pile driver song birdman coco beware taking on dave wagner to close out wrestling challenge as johnny v remains on commentary and we get an insert promo here from the birdman talking the pile driver album which becomes the sole purpose of coco beware on tv moving forward at least for a while all that in his new birdman shirt coco beware rocking his new coco beware t-shirt to the ring Show that merch, Coco, as it's the missile dropkick and a sloppy Ghostbuster. Going to get the win here this week, 1 minute and 36 seconds, as we're off to one final promo here on Wrestling Challenge. It's Minjin standing by for a fun one with Mr. Fuji and Demolition. You know, there are so many things happening in the World Wrestling Federation. I try to keep you posted. I try to keep you appraised of what is going on. Come on in, Mr. Fuji. A lot of things are happening within the ranks of your family. Now, I noticed that Don Morocco and Ace Cowboy Bob Orton have had a falling out. Now they're at odds. I don't know if you're going to have anything to do with either one of them. Also, Kamala and Sika right now doing quite well for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Killer Khan, a man that is challenging the heavyweight champion from time to time for the world's heavyweight crown. The team that I'm most impressed with, though, are Axe and Smash, Demolition. And I'm going to pay you one compliment. These two men are not just a couple of pretty faces. They are great, rugged wrestlers. Now, that rugged boy, son, very smart. Very smart, too. Yes. You see, we are good fishermen. We say one spot never moves till we get the big fish, and that is the hot foundation. So slowly, we go through the rujo, the bees, whatever you have. We'll take them one by one, slowly. And a demolition will come in and tell you You know, when it. I fish, Mr. Fuji, sometimes I do a little drifting. Yes. Sometimes I even do a little trolling. What about it, Smash? Well, it all started when Fuji came up to Axe's Smash and says, I'm going to put you on a mission. I want those belts. And so far, we've been successful. Everybody we've gone against, we've demolished. And the reason why we are here is for those belts. And when you look at Axe, and when you look at Smash, and you look at Fuji, we mean business. A lot of people are scared to get in the ring. They should be. But step in, because we're going to demolish you, and then it's you, hearts, and the belts will be around our waist. What about it, uh, Axe? And by the way, I'm not Howard. You know, I'm a little upset because I've been calling you Howard for about four or five weeks now. Should be. And I found out your name's really Harvey. <laughs> Getting back to business. We're upset because Fuji's not completely happy with us. We've had a trouble getting opponents. We're having trouble because we've only hurt 75% of our opponents. Fuji wants 100%. That's what he wants. That's what he's going to get. We're not going to let him down. We're going to go through everybody and anybody. Nobody's going to step in our way. And I'm telling you one thing, Harvey. You should have corrected me a long time ago. Don't let it happen again. I'm not Howard or Harvey. Can you communicate that to him, Mr. Fuji? Let me tell you. I hold record. Six times I hold World Tag Team belt. So with my knowledge, psychology, I relate to the demolition. And they will be a game belt to Mr. Fuji. All right, obviously, the goals are up in front for demolition. They want to be the new tag team champions of the world. And Axe continuing to call Gene Howard. Or is it Harvey now? The demolition stating that they are here for Mr. Fuji. They need to get the job done 100%. And to get the job done, they must become tag team champions. As we close out the month of August, one final piece of TV this week here on The Grenade. 
Primetime Wrestling for August the 31st, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and Where's Bobby the Brain Heenan? We head into the intro this week, Bobby the Brain Heenan missing in action. A no-show is the brain here as we kick off Primetime Wrestling. Instead, Gorilla Monsoon throwing to an LJN figure of the brain. Let's listen to the intro here from Primetime Wrestling. This is the only likeness remaining of Bobby the Brain Heenan. He is very conspicuous by his absence here this week, having a clue where the brain is. Uh, Not a phone call, not a message, not a telegram, nothing. We have all our troops out searching in vain uh, for the brain. We have the weasel hounds out looking. We have uh, Sir Sherlock Hayes, uh, another colleague of mine who will be joining us later on. He's out looking. And even Jesse the Body, who knows everything that's going on in the world of professional wrestling today, is out there looking. But as of this particular point in time, no news of where the brain is. He left here last week very bent out of shape. I showed the footage of him being fired once again by Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, which turned him off completely. I threatened at the end of the program to once again bring out of the archives some more footage of the first time that Mr. Wonderful fired him, right on uh, TNT and what a resounding effect that had on him. Maybe uh, he's seeking some kind of psychiatric help that remains to be seen. We do have a most interesting program lined up for you. So there it was, Bobby MIA. After being bent out of shape last week, being fired by Mr. Wonderful, apparently, at least for the short term, replaced here by his LJN figure. Now, later in the program, Heenan is replaced for the remainder of the episode by one Lord Alfred Hayes. As we head off to our final soundbite this week on the Grenade, Gorilla Monsoon welcoming in his lordship. Welcome back, folks, and let me take this time and opportunity to welcome you to and to introduce to you uh, my colleague and longtime friend, uh, his lordship, Alfred Hayes. Uh, Sherlock, did you have any uh, success? <laughs> well, let, look, first of all, <laughs> let, me, let me just uh, alleviate this particular oh, piece of garbage here. We don't need that anymore. <laughs> Um, I looked in all the lowest decadent dives I could find. Air host, know. probably on the list. Yes, I did. Um, places in Baker Street, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, only yeah. Sherlock. He well, frequents those places. <laughs> yes. And I must say that there were a lot of people of dubious character there, mm. as normally he would associate with. But no uh, luck. No, I thought for one moment I'd been lucky because there was a discarded neck brace there, very grubby and very grimy, but certainly no weasel. No weasel. And Alfred Hayes, he, he went searching for the brain, but he couldn't find him anywhere. And not a whole lot to the convo here between Gorilla Monsoon and Alfred Hayes, but I wanted to get Alfred on the show. Color me biased. This is only the second time in 1987 that Alfred Hayes has hosted Primetime Wrestling, replacing Bobby the Brain Heenan. So right now it's few and far between when we can get an Alfred Hayes soundbite here in 87, unlike 93. Surprising, I know. But there it was for this week. We close out this edition of The Grenade by wrapping up August of 1987, all of the WWF TV covered, which means two-thirds of the year of 1987 now in the books as we slowly head in to the fall season. New edition of Saturday Night's Main Event upcoming, the inaugural Survivor Series pay-per-view around the corner as well. As you guys have heard, the Piledriver music album getting ready to drop. So much going on here behind the scenes. And the World Wrestling Federation will get into that next time As we kick off the month of September of 1987, the WWF News and Results will be tackling the 1987 King of the Ring Tournament. Yes, guys, it started long before 1993. We'll also look at the 87 WrestleFest event that took place in Cincinnati, Ohio. Who knew? 
plus another new set of TV tapings. We'll look into the results from Madison Square Garden, Boston, the Philadelphia Spectrum, Maple Leaf Garden, and so much more next week here on the show. So until then, just a quick reminder to check out all the podcasts over at WrestleCopia.com and everywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. And be sure to follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And be sure to subscribe to YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade as well. Nearly 500 videos and counting there on our YouTube channel. And last but certainly not least, if you guys are looking to sponsor a brand new podcast network, an up-and-comer that's all about preserving wrestling history and giving you quality content each and every week, I'd really appreciate if you consider becoming a patron of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network over at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from. Just talking about that $5 all-access tier, guys. No subscription, cancel anytime. Get you all sorts of goodies there for just $5. And the best part is, you're helping me pay the bills to keep the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Regional Wrestling, Monday Warfare, and more up and running for the months to come. And with all of that said, I'll be back again soon as we begin the month of September here for 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation. But until then, this is Ray Russell saying from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! We ain't talking about no Pavarotti or no Billy Joel or no Lou Rawls. We talking about... Jive so bro. No. Better to be rich and dead than poor and alive. Who told you that? Unbelievably a man in the past. Bang bang! You're fired!